You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. What up, my Code Mafia? This is Paul Abernathy. Obviously, your host for Electrician Live comes to you every week. And, of course, I have a spattering of videos during the week that are available all on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash master the NEC, all one word. It's pretty easy to find. If you can't find it, go to master the You'll see the YouTube link on it and just click it and you can get there. So today we're going to talk a little bit about electrical exam prep and fast tracks program and preparing for an exams and and uh, just uh, maybe even some some topics about life after the exam and, and things like that. Once you get your license, the education doesn't stop, that's for sure. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the episode today. Um, I like, the, you know, I get a lot of calls from people uh, preparing for an exam uh, or wanting to learn the National Electrical Code more uh, and more in depth. Maybe they're a foreman or a supervisor or, or maybe an owner. I, believe it or not, I get a lot of calls from owners of electrical contracting businesses, uh, some that have rather large businesses, but they want to have a more intensive knowledge of the National Electrical Code. Uh, and sometimes we'll do seminars for their company. Sometimes I just do webinars. And, and a lot of them, they will enroll them in the in the programs we have. And we have a, a residential program, commercial program, industrial program. Uh, we have, obviously, the Fast Tracks, which is a kind of an NEC-based learning program, but it's also exam prep. And so, again, motor control circuits, so uh, grounding and bonding. We have a bunch of different courses that we have. Um, and, of course, some of them have enrolled in the CMECP program, which is a show I did on Electrician Live just recently, which talks about that program. You can go watch that on our YouTube channel. Um, it kind of explains the concept of taking your education, your knowledge, uh, your superiority, if you will, of the National Electrical Code to the next level and how you convey that to the industry. Um, all this based on fact that most of all that is voluntary in this industry, anything. The only thing that's typically mandatory uh, in most cases is licensure. But um, as we prepare for exams and people freak out about exams or, or really have a hard time understanding the exams and, and uh, realizing that an exam uh, is really whether you're an electrician now and you've taken an exam or you're preparing for an exam, uh, these are benchmarks. That's all they are. Uh, they're benchmarks in order to make sure that the state knows that you're on an acceptable level, that you can look up code things because it is a minimum safety standard. Uh, the way that they know that you have the the knowledge, hands-on part, is by setting up the required prerequisite number of hours that you have to have of training or in the field work, okay? getting your hands dirty. Uh, once you establish that and you meet that criteria, that's about all they can do. And then they're saying, well, let's just test you and make sure that you can find things in the code. We can't really test your hands-on part. Some states have little components of that. But for the majority, we can't test you for that. So we're just going to test your knowledge of being able to efficiently uh, find code references so that we know that even though you know how to physically do it, and again, you can physically be able to do it and still do it wrong. I see this all the time in the images that are on the uh, trade hounds or or any other social media platform where people post pictures and they they're so proud of their work, uh, and 
yet when you look at it, you can see code violations right in it. And I'm not being the, the, the Debbie Downer, if you will. I'm not being that guy. I'm just saying, think about what you post because, again, something that looks pretty can still be dangerous. It can still be non-code compliant. It might look pretty. And if you think prettiness dominates compliance, then really we need to have a conversation. Okay, we, we really do because that is not the case. You can do both. You can be take an immense amount of pride in your work and make sure it's compliant and make it look good. Okay, I can have something that looks pretty and then have a, a main bonding jumper installed improperly on a remote distribution panel. And it doesn't matter how pretty it looks. It's still a safety hazard. Okay, so we have to understand there's two levels here. So when you're licensing and you're going to get your license or you're preparing for it, the reason that we spend the majority of the time trying to learn the National Electrical Code is not so that you memorize it. Now, some people have a memory. I remember a lot of things in the NEC, obviously not all of it, but a lot of things in the NEC simply because of time. I've been doing this over 30 years. So, yes, the code changes and it gets challenging when code cycles change. Uh, and things are added, and we have to catch up with it. And and sometimes experts will make say something, and we might be a little off on something. It's because we're our mind is working on fourteen code, or seventeen code, or two thousand eight code, and two thousand eleven code, and then we're on the twenty twenty code. So sometimes it just it can get mixed up a little bit. Majority of the time we we're pretty good about it, but it can happen. Um, certainly doesn't mean an individual doesn't know the code. It just means that they had that moment in time where everything got mixed together, obviously. So memorizing it is is a difficult task, uh, especially if you've got everything else going on in your mind while you're preparing for an exam. Okay, so if you're, you know, really good with the code, you feel you know it pretty well, um, then those weekend crash courses might be a benefit to you, except for they have a an effect of brain overload at a short amount of time. So I know people that do a cram weekend course, they'll spend five, six, seven hundred dollars plus traveling a couple hours and staying in hotels. I get those calls all the time uh, where people did that and they still failed the exam. It's because they scheduled these, then went and took the exam and they got brain overload. Okay. They were telling them you got to remember this There's a shortcut to this and there's no shortcut to learning the NEC. Now, the only shortcut is in your mind, remembering what certain things mean. Okay. Like dot 30, the securing and supporting requirements in 320 for AC cable dot 30 uh, is in 330 for, for MC cable securing and supporting dot 30 is in 334 for non-metallic dot 30 is securing and supporting in most of the wiring methods in chapter three. Right? So that's a, not a shortcut. That's a memory thing to help you remember that if the questions about AC cable, for example, dot 30 of that respective article is going to be the answer for securing and supporting. That's not a shortcut. That's, that's not even remembering or memorizing the whole thing. That allows you to get somewhere quickly because you do remember important aspects of it. Um, so again, so I'm not a big believer in those uh, weekend cram courses. Um, I'm just not. Obviously, because I do this for a living, I could easily hold cram courses um, it's just not my thing. I just think that people need time to learn this trade and I'm not in it to just cash a check. Okay. And, and bundle you up on a weekend. I'm here to make sure that you learn it. So that's when I created the fast tracks program. 
Uh, the Fast Tracks program uses course content. Uh, it's from a well-known educator, purposely not from me. Uh, and it allows me to be uh, impartial in how I apply the course material and how I answer the students and how we address the material. So for the example, now that's not the same for residential commercial books because I helped write those um, and they're used in our course. Um, but when it comes to the exam stuff or prep stuff, I like to be neutral so that I can be objective to the information and how I explain it to the student. Um, and of course I have a good relationship with the author of that publication. So if there's something I disagree with, or we, we learn about that we don't really agree with, then I can share that with the author is the same as I would expect somebody to do that with me, with the publications that we put out. Okay. It's, it's, we all learn together. And so in, in that program, for example, the fast tracks program, we're not going after the, the short-term memory approach. We're going towards the, the long-term memory retention approach using uh, ballistic um, learning, which is where you can listen to the information being read to you at your option on the program, uh, as well as reading along. Uh, uh, do that as, you know, as well. Um, and together, it, it tickles all the senses and it helps you memorize it. It helps you memorize the more important aspects of it. I might not remember so much about a certain section, but because of that approach, something gets locked into the memory uh, about securing and supporting. Okay. For example, I'm, you know, NMB, non-metallic sheath cable. Okay. Every four and a half feet, it's got to be supported. Okay. It has to be secured as well within 12 inches of a box. However, it has to be secured within eight inches if the box is like a single gang box nail up. And you don't learn, you don't have to learn all the details. What you have to learn is what is retained because of long-term exposure. And that's what the Fast Tracks program does. So there is no other program on the market that you can buy books and DVDs and whatnot and questions. You can purchase books with code questions on it, all that kind of stuff. Um, and again, routinely, I've seen these on Facebook and all over the place and different authors. That's fine. Use whatever you need to help you study with a purpose. Um, but remember, studying with a purpose is the only way to be successful. And that is... Even if it's a code question, you dissect that. You spend time on that question. You don't just answer it. You spend time on it. You look it up. You dissect it. You look for the roots of that question. The index in the back of the National Electrical Code is helpful, but it's not the means to end all, okay? Because not every reference is in that index. So you have to have a certain amount of knowledge of the topic in order to be successful in taking an exam. So putting your time in, Getting that hands dirty time is what the state assumes you're doing before they allow you to sit for an exam. And once you sit for that exam, which again is an entry level aspect to your learning, once you pass that, then the real learning begins. And hopefully you get connected with a, a good instructor, a good teacher, a good mentor, uh, and things like that. I mentor quite a few people in the industry who call me all the time for advice, um, and I'm willing to give it. Uh, a lot of them just want company advice. Other people want code advice. Some people just want somebody to talk to about it. And, 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 and I do that for quite a few people. And, you know, I'm not immune to that. 
I have people that I talk to in this industry that I highly respect. So again, we all work together in this industry. It's, it's all a brotherhood. I'm not ever here to knock other educators. I'm just saying economically, there's better ways to spend your money and learn the National Electrical Code over time. I'm also not a big believer in uh, overly tabbing your book. Trying to put a tab for every possible thing just simply causes confusion. And if it takes up time looking at all these tabs, it's taking time off of your exam. Now, if you want to tab it later, and you want to have it tabbed for your every day once you get your license because it just means you get places, you know, you got a tab for it. That's fine. But there is a case when you're preparing for an exam where too many tabs can be detrimental to your success. Okay. And I don't care what anybody tells you. All right. When you buy a set of tabs, uh, pre done tabs, um, these tabs are really going to be all the tabs you need. You don't really need any additional tabs than that. Although some people will say, well, I want a tab for this, I want a tab for that. Well, that's fine. Uh, just remember that each state is different, and many of them will only allow uh, uh, permanent tabs and all this kind of stuff. But again, uh, overly tabbing your book to me can, can be a distraction, just like over-highlighting. Uh, I don't highlight something in my code book, and I highlight the whole daggone uh, paragraph. So I just highlight the key parts of it. That draws my attention to it. Because if you highlight everything, then basically you get a book of highlights. And when you go to that page, nothing stands out anymore. I want the highlight to stand out. So there is a skill to only highlighting the most pertinent part of the information. Like if I was doing securing and supporting, I'm going to highlight the portion that talks about the distance, like four and a half feet or MC cable six feet. or That's the part I'm going to highlight. Just that. And so... Um, if you train yourself to that, when you get there, the highlights will stick out to you. If you over highlight, people just really go crazy and it just it just has a negative effect on your ability to utilize the code book uh, properly. And so anyway, um, I'm not a big believer in, uh, again, overly tabbing and, and, and highlighting so much that I have to just go through uh, 50 packs of highlighter. That's just not not it. I should say that we do have Paul's picks over on electricianlive.com. If you go to electricianlive.com, you'll see a little link at the top that says Paul's Picks. Uh, that's where I've got some of the things that I recommend uh, to, to, you know, for preparing for an exam. Uh, some good code book deals over there, things like that, tabs and whatnot. But you don't need any more than, than that. Um, so let's talk a, a little bit about, um, you know, once you get your exam uh, and once you take your exam uh, and you pass, what should you do? Well, if you're a journeyman and your apprentice and you become a journeyman, you're, you're, as it says, your journey has just begun. The journeyman license is exactly that. The testing is an entry level into being a journeyman. It doesn't mean you're the most skilled journeyman in the world and you just sit and take a test. That's not what it means. And I think there's a misconception through the industry that say when you become a journeyman or you become a master that, that, you, that you're done learning. Absolutely not. Um, you just passed a test that allows you the most minimally competent electrician in that class. And, and there are some master electricians that are much better than others. There's same as there's some journeymen that are much better than some of the masters we know. Okay, all relevant uh, to your area, where you're working, who you're working for, the people in your company, um, and all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day... You never stop learning. 
something new. I learn something new every day. And I do so many videos and so many recordings and so many seminars and and webinars that I even learn from myself. And what I mean by that is sometimes for time and brevity, I might mention something. And and when I hear it back or look at it, I go, wow, Paul, you could have been a little bit clearer than that. And it gives me the opportunity to do uh, maybe not that lesson again, but something very similar that touches on that lesson. And then I can clarify. I'm always learning. Uh, I never look for any videos or podcasts to be 100% perfect all the time. Um, and But what I will tell you is that in none of my uh, messages, whether you agree or disagree with my uh, video or podcast information or whatnot, I won't tell you anything that's a violation of the code or will mislead you. Uh, you might disagree and have an opinion. But what I talk about is solidly foundationed in the National Electrical Code. Now, opinions being what they are, I might have an opinion on something that you disagree with, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, that's what it's all about. I can tell you right now, you put a room of uh, 15 electrical code experts in there, and we're not all going to agree, okay? I'm just saying that's just the way it is. Um, so once you get your license, you should strive to, to move forward. Now, again, like I said, for masters, uh, sadly, about four years ago, I sat down and I, I, I think it was uh, was at a conference and I sat down and I realized that master electricians when they be, when they become master electricians um, that's about it. Uh, there's nothing else for them to strive for. Um, you basically get your license, you do your continuing ed every couple of years or whenever your your state requires, and that's it. And there's just a certain level of 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 professionals out there who that's just not enough for them they want to, they love this profession i love this profession i love being an electrician uh, there's so many branches of it i don't have to work with the hands to be an electrician i've done that for many many years um, i've owned multiple companies you have two probably so what happens is you transition whether you're going to a desk job or whether you're a teacher or an educator um, or you move in some other direction within the electrical field. I know electricians that have even migrated to engineering and vice versa. I know some engineers who were like, I, I did not like doing it behind the desk. I did not like designing systems. I wanted to work with my hands. I wanted to do that. And then they left the engineering and they actually made more money doing the work than they did as an engineer. And that's not an uncommon story uh, around the country. Um, some people are just uh, wired that way. They want to put the hands-on work to it. They, they, they want the opportunity. Now, I can tell you right now, in the electrical industry, well, I should say of trades, uh, being a skilled tradesman uh, is the most wonderful thing ever. I mean, look at it. You can go out of high school and learn a trade and eventually own your own business if you want. And it can be as small, as big as you want it to be. Okay, it can be just a one-man service truck, which can make a good living, uh, setting your own hours, uh, or it can be a small electrical contractor with a crew or two, or maybe just you and a helper, uh, all the way up to whatever you want it to be. How aggressive you are at it, and again, how good you are, and the reputation you carry, and all this. Again, the sky's the limit. Doesn't require a degree. Okay, doesn't require you to go to four-year college. Um, and you can make 
a great living for yourself and your family. You know, trades are like that. And so of opportunity, I see an awful lot of young people in this trade or learning industry, not not all, I'm going to make that clear, not all, but I see an awful lot of young ones in this this trade who who really don't understand or appreciate the the opportunity that they're given. Um, I, like I said, I used to have a, a helpers that would work for me in my company, and I did as much training as I could. Obviously, you can imagine, I, I trained all the time for them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was blessed enough that most of them that worked for me appreciated it. Um, occasionally, you hire a helper on or somebody on, and, and they, they just took it on as a summer job. And they don't understand or appreciate what the opportunity they have to learn. Or maybe they're just in a transition time and they're just doing this for the money. That's fine. But once something triggers and they realize that, you know what, I can make a living out of this. And there's so many branches that I could go off of this tree. Okay. Low voltage, medium voltage, high voltage. I can go into audio visual, which is a branch off of this electrical industry. You know, start from one and go to the other. Uh, it just, there's so many, I know one electrician who was doing very well, uh, and, uh, he's back in Virginia and I had a little sit down with him, uh, quite a few years ago. And I said, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Cause he had a con, he had a, a general contractor that he was doing most of the work for, and he was growing and that contractor was growing at the times were good at that point. And, uh, he was, you know, kind of very content with where he was at. And I told him, I said, I said, what would happen to you if all of a sudden that general contractor, that builder didn't want you to do their work without any questions asked? In other words, now you have to submit a bid and now times get tight and now you're competing against other people and maybe you're not the cheapest anymore. So maybe that relationship, which is sometimes only as good as the dollar, they are going to have to branch out. I said, what happens to your business since you're placing all your eggs in one basket? Uh, and incidentally, that's a future uh, Electrician Live topic that we're going to have uh, on uh, go to electricianlive.com and see the future episodes. That's that's one of our future episodes, putting all your eggs in one basket type of concept. Anyway, I had this, this kind of a mentoring conversation with him. And I said, look, you need to think about a couple things. You need to branch out and think about service work because there's a lot of money in service work. Homes are aging. Systems are aging. Uh, upgrades are necessary. It's uh, new technology comes out. People are out with the, out with the old, in with the new. Um, you need to take advantage of that. And I said, secondly, you need to look at something uh, secondary like maybe generator installations or uh, PV or something additional. And we threw around some ideas for some different things and and, and things like that. And Ken, so he, he actually listened and he started doing service work. He added another truck uh, and then he, he started doing generators. And then all of a sudden he's blowing up with the generators, just blowing up with it and service work out the yin yang. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? Like clockwork. The contractor that was giving him all the work hit on some harder times, and now he's bidding at everybody, and he wasn't getting all their work. And luckily for him, because of this exposure to service work and everything, he started getting other clients, uh, other builders. 
So he wasn't putting all his eggs in that one builder. So their success translated to his success. Um, and so he broadened his scope a little bit. He diversified in his work. And he was able to just transition, and it really didn't matter whether he got that original uh, flagship general contractor's business every time. It just didn't matter anymore. And because he diversified in his services, he thought outside of the box. He listened, uh, and he realized that he needs to, to have a diversified plan of stability. And that's what he did, and that benefits him to this day. And he's doing an amazing job, amazing company. And it really, I, I shudder to think what would have happened if he had kept it with that singular approach to that riding the coattails of that one contractor, that general contractor. Uh, because any relationship can turn sour very quickly, right? So again, I, I like to think about that as a contractor. So there's so many different ways or avenues in this industry that you can go into. And again, um, I know some service guys that only do very limited stuff and they heavily market things like surge protective devices and, and, and things like that. Right. And, and that's what their market is and service work and small service work. And they do extremely well with it. Okay. People want lights added all the time. You know, people want things put in all that time and, and, and that's what he's focused. So he's not, not fighting that, that new construction game which is great to do if you can do it. But again, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons that, that I got out of my contracting business and just started doing nothing but service stuff and, and consulting was because I'd really, I, I, I got tired of, of fighting the bidding game. When I first started in, we had contractors, that, you know, general contractors that would just use, would just use us. And as we got further on, times got tight. Uh, they started bidding and we, you know, we would be an electrical contractor that would come out and do things in the middle of the night for them. I mean, we were always there for them. So when it got tight, we always said, when they call us and say, Hey, Paul, we need to, we need to get an estimate and yada, yada, yada. And I'd go, wait a minute. We always just did the work and we were fair to you. We never tried to gouge you. He goes, yeah, I know. I know. I know. And I'm like, you know, we, in the middle of the night, your customer, we would go out there and help them and, and make it priority. Because of our relationship. I know, I know, I know. But, you know, times are tight and I got to get bids and all that kind of stuff. And I'd go, wow. So that loyalty stops right there, right? Stops at the dollar. So ultimately, again, we branched out to do other things. Uh, but I I never, ever liked that that concept of of, of uh, having this this contractor that we were beheld to. Uh, and it was make or break based on the one contractor. So that's the all, don't keep all your eggs in one basket approach. Um, but in our case, I got tired of fighting the bidding game and not knowing whether I was too high or too low. I knew my price because, you know, burden being what it is, you know, you're expensive, you know, your burden, you know what your overhead is, you, you know what you have to make. And again, you can, you can worry about whether you got the bid or not every day. But at the end of the day, if you look in the mirror and you go, I bid this on what I had to bid it on in order to keep my business afloat. And if I don't get it based on that, oh, well, that's it. Maybe the person that got it has less people. Maybe they're willing to take a loss simply because they want to keep their staff working. I don't know the deal and I don't really care anymore. And that's the way my approach was. So I kind of got out of the, 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 the bidding for that. Now, I had some 
contractors that were do high end houses. And, you know, they were the, the, the multi-million dollar houses and there were, uh, they weren't like 10 going a week, you know, and you get on one, that multi-million dollar house will drag on for a couple months. Uh, it's really big. And then you move in and you, and you have your service work keeps you for the next month. And then you have another big house that gets started, that, that type of thing. And then you have the big one has to be finished out and trimmed. And so, I mean, it was kind of a rolling process. But at any rate, um, the point really being was, and I got kind of off topic, is basically you never stop learning and don't put all your eggs in one basket, and that's a show that we'll be doing at another time. Okay, so exams, back to the exams. So let's talk a little bit about uh, master electricians, what they can do once they become a master electrician. Well, really the only option they have in the industry right now is the CMECP program, and that is a program that I created four years ago uh, based on a high level of criteria that this criteria was the the fact that you had to already be a master to to get in this program, okay? So you already had to be the master, and then you had to pass this level of, of, of ex- questions at a certain higher percentage level, and then you had to do a proctored exam, and then you had to do a five-on-one interview process. So it's an, an extensive process. If you're interested, go over to my, that's M-Y, cmecp.com and you can read all about it just click on the cmecp link on the button at the top but it's a program that is designed and it's federally protected trademarks on the cmecp acronym as well as the phrase certified master electrical code professional okay and it's all under the federal trademark for training facilities and training uh, aspects okay it's very much tied to that and education very much tied to education Okay, with these trademarks. And so in that scenario, what happened was it allows a, a master electrician to be able to take their game to the next level, right? I mean, that's the whole thing, right? You, you, never, you never stop learning. So how do we retain that and determine how we continue to keep learning? And that's what we do with that. That's that program is geared straight towards that, and it is really just for the master electrician. And it's really good for owners, site project managers, uh, lead masters, uh, all those type of, of people that that want to differentiate themselves from the rest of the crowd. That's what that program's about, right? So that's an avenue. Now that's a certification. That's not licensure. Licensure, and again, any association around the country that has a certification program, it's always voluntary, right? It is only licensure is a requirement, okay? So you end up going down that path of, of licensure, and going down that path, um, and you pass an exam, you're, you're just at the stage in your life at that point where you are, are ready to learn, Right. And you're learning, you're, you're obtaining all this additional knowledge. And it's it's just a it's a beautiful thing uh, to be at that level. OK, so. Exam, let's look back up a little bit now to exam prep again, because you're, you're prepping for an exam. Um, I'm also a big and I'm all over the place here because I usually am. Sorry, it is what it is. And when it comes to exam prep uh, I believe that there's a there's a specific amount of time uh, for somebody to become proficient in something and I'm a believer that it literally takes you uh, 90 days 
Now, you can do it in less than that. Don't get me wrong. You can do it less than that. It's Again, it depends on how much you put into it, right? How much dedication you have to putting into learning the National Electrical Code. Now, that means you can do it in 60 days. Absolutely. Can you do it in uh, 45 days? Absolutely. But in doing that, you have to dedicate yourself to the concept of, am I going to spend a certain amount of time a week in order to be dedicated to this, right? That's what you're looking at. Are you dedicated to putting in that amount of time? Now, if you are, you can reap the benefits. And the Fast Track program, for example, is the kind of program that's going to walk you through it. We call that studying with a purpose. So in that purpose, you are literally studying the National Electrical Code. You are listening to it. You are reading it. You're answering questions that are pertinent to it. That's the only way that you're going to long-term retain it. Okay? So that's kind of some of my concepts and theories, again, about, you know, about that uh, with the learning. Um. But I can't, you know, I can't imagine any any profession right now that would be, I mean, with this this COVID-19 corona thing going around, um, you know, and people are laying people off, I get it, or furloughing them or doing what they're doing. Um, there's still nothing that takes the place. When America bounces back from this, and we will bounce back, um, we need that skilled labor. We need that skilled tradespeople, okay? We need them. Because that's what's going to get America running. That's what's going to get us back on track. Okay, the the projects in construction that have that have halted, they got to be completed. Um, the projects that are moving forward, that are in the planning stage, they're going to need tradesmen. They're going to need skilled professionals to do that work, right? So again, it's it's going to come back, uh, and. You know, we need to have those skilled people ready. And so my message also to anybody out there that's a helper or, or apprentice, um, you have a unique opportunity to to make something of yourself. At, and, and sometimes at a young age, we look at that and we're not sure of where we're going to go with it or what potential it could be for us. Um, if you're in the electrical trade and you're working as a helper or an apprentice and this is not what you want to do for, the, for for your life, then that's fine. Maybe it's something that's temporary for you. It's it's an income right now. That's fine. But you do need to recognize that it is an opportunity because sky is the limit for where you could take it, whether you want to be a, a foreman, a lead electrician, uh, a traveling master, which gets paid very well, by the way. Um, if you want to be an owner, uh, partner, uh, however you want it to be, you have the opportunity and I'm telling you right now, I tell kids this all the time, young people, if you can screw off now, it's going to affect you later. I tell people now that what you do in the first third of your life reaps benefits for the second two-thirds of your life. So getting in trouble, being carefree, um, all this kind of stuff. And I have people that, you know, I, I watched something on TV the other day where the, where the, this girl was like, I don't care about the Corona virus. I'm going to party and I'm going to go out with people and I'm going to, okay. You know what? That's fine. 
But that's the mentality of youth is that I'm bulletproof and I'll do whatever I want and I'll get in trouble or I'll party. I've got the rest of my life to worry about all the seriousness. That is not true. In fact, the reality is the first third of your life. Okay. And we're saying if, if a life expectancy uh, is going to be, you know, at least say, I don't know, 80 Okay, now the first third, I'm using rough numbers here, by the way, because a third would be, you know, obviously, you know, whatever. So the first part of your life would be, you know, in your 20s is really needed to dedicate to honing your skill and setting your foundation and opening up those opportunities so that in your 30s and your 40s, you're reaping the benefits of that. And then in your 50s and 60s, you're 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 balancing out the rewards of your accomplishment. And. At the end of the day, if you screw off in your early part, then you end up struggling and scrambling in the middle portion of your life, your middle age portion, wondering, did I do this? Did I do that? At least if you struggle early on and you get a, an understanding of where you want to be, then you'll learn pretty much if you're going the wrong direction and you still got time to right that ship. But for electricians, I can tell you right now, not everybody's the same. I get it. But I was uh, very dedicated to being an electrician all the way back when I was 15 years old. Uh, it's not because I had a big electrical contracting family. My dad did not do electrical work at all. My brother went into an apprenticeship program or a vocational school program. Back then, it was more vocational schools than it was more like apprenticeships. But he went into that. I saw what that did to him. I saw what it allowed him, what it afforded him. And he always seemed happy. And then, of course, I came in contact with his instructor, and his instructor was is a legendary Bob Barrett uh, in in uh, Virginia, who's you know passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but he became I, I met him, and that was it. He was my second dad, and he became my personal mentor. Uh, I competed in National Vica and won the National Vica. Uh, I won for displays for Vica. I did this mini city with the power lines and the power running through it and lights in the houses. I mean, I was into it. Now we call it Scholastic America or whatever they call it. But back then it was called Vica. And you competed against your other schools and you statewide and national and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I got so locked into it uh, that, that I started getting well known around the state. And I was obviously well known in our school and I came the valedictorian of the school but I fixed everything electrical in that school. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it was hands-on while you were in school. And, you know, I took early morning classes at my regular high school so that I could free up my day to go over to Votech. And then when I was a senior, they asked me if I would be the student teacher for the juniors during my senior year, which was unheard of. Um, and I was, obviously I jumped at it because that meant I get to spend more time at the vocational school. And so I did it. And I literally spent every day, five days a week, uh, knee-deep immersed in electrical, teaching it and doing it. And, and, and we, of course, we had a huge lab with, with everything you can imagine, trays and, and framing members, studs, metal and wood, motors. I mean, we had everything, stop, start stations. I mean, we were just, it was a well-funded school. And, you know, that's kind of ironic to say because the school – not that it doesn't exist anymore, it does, but now their electrical program has been reduced down to uh, like a semester for a program now that they call construction management, which I think is a bunch of BS. 
because not everybody wants to go to college, but now they're pushing people to go to college. And I'm like, you've lost and watered down the tradesman aspect of it. And of course, that's why you're going to have a tradesman shortage. Okay, they made a big mistake when they did that because the electrical program was was well known uh, throughout the state. Okay, so anyway, uh, and I was asked to take over that program when I graduated, and there just wasn't enough money in it for me. I mean, I was young, eager. Me and my brother were starting our business. Uh, you know, Barrett said it's a good foundation. You can teach a lot of people, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't make that much money. And at that age, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I want to make money, right? I, I, I got ideas, okay? So anyway, it, it was, you know, just kind of the path I took. And again, I was immersed in it. And, and so early on, uh, we did a lot of big projects. We did a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of stuff from my brother. I learned a lot of stuff from other people. I learned a lot of stuff from Barrett. Uh, who was an electrician as well, but a military electrician as well. So he knew all these aspects uh, in his own businesses. And, all. and so, I mean, I was able to sit and just talk to him. And that's the importance of a mentor, having somebody who's been there, walk that line. Maybe not, you know, I can't. I have a hard time mentoring somebody that has a $50 million electrical contracting business, uh, except for I get rid of the money. And the beautiful thing is electricity is electricity. Concepts are concepts. Um, uh, compliant installations are compliant. You take the money totally out of it, right? Uh, has that's just the, the the quality of their success. And again, whether or not everybody's level of success is different. Um, so uh, I, I love having those conversations with contractors, and and we can relate where we can relate, and I can give advice where I can give advice. I can get advice where I need advice. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing in this trade. So uh, if you're thinking about getting in the electrical trade, do it. Uh, give it a shot. You're never too old. I get that a lot. People say, oh, I'm too old to learn it. No, you're only as old as you feel. Uh, again, you got to know your own financial situations and everything like that, whether you can afford to start at the bottom. Uh, but if you can, it's a, it's a wonderful trade. So anyway, I kind of rambled on to today's episode, uh, but I wanted to say to everybody, stay safe out there. I know this COVID thing's going around and everybody is really concerned about it. So, uh, incidentally, I consider all of my electrical brothers and sisters essential. Uh, they're essential to this trade, essential to this economy, essential to this moving forward of this um, uh, progress that we've made in the economy. And so, again, just be safe out there and be careful. Until next time, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Aber.